Well, hello everyone, it's James here and welcome back to Crosswires. This week we are going to be talking... Do you know what, this is going to be a really interesting discussion. We're going to be talking about legislation that looks to ban maybe certain platforms, certain websites. And look, we'll just be really honest, this all came about because of the various TikTok bans that are going through the United States and I think literally maybe was it the day before we recorded this Montana have become the first state to actually say yeah we were putting a TikTok ban on the books and we're going to be talking a lot about kind of uh, freedom of speech freedom of expression so look this could be a challenging episode it could spark a lot of debate the request I always make and I'll make this at the front of the episode this time we absolutely want to hear your feedback all we ask is that you keep it civil and you follow our community guidelines uh, we'll make sure there's a link to those in the show notes because and they're on the website anyway but that's all we ask um, but without much further ado I have as usual a wonderful co-host my best friend and someone who teaches me far more about internet freedom than well yeah than anyone else has Jay how are you doing today I'm doing good, and according to my TikTok filter, the type of toast I am is avocado toast. So I, I, I think that's... I now know I'm avocado toast. That's great. That means all you're going to see for the next week is ads for avocados. You do know that, right? I um, do know that. I do know that. <laughs> and for anybody wondering, TikTok has these like random filters. That you, like, I, I, you'll see a video like, what type of toast am I? Or which of the celebrities do I have a crush on? Oh. Or you know, all these... All these strange filters. I used to have so much fun. But I'm doing good. Yeah, today we are joined by a, a guest also talk about TikTok. Um, and this is an episode where the United States is definitely... Um, I'm feeling outnumbered. Bring- I'm feeling yes. outnumbered. <laughs> we're, we're bringing the, the, the American freedom. <laughs> uh, maybe not American freedom. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Definitely not that. Do, you want fri- do you want freedom fries with that, folks? <laughs> Oh gosh, that was an interesting time in my life. <laughs> I remember all of those. And no, no. Sh- should we introduce a guest before we start stereotyping America? I start stereotyping your entire country. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. So our guest today, uh, you know, as with a lot of our guests, to be honest, with you, I think I need to start paying royalties to Discord for some of our guests because I reached out on the is it the podcast community Discord this time mm-hmm. and said, look, does anybody, you know, does anybody have any expertise in this or feels confident speaking to it? And Rachel's like, yeah, I do. I'm not an expert, but I, I feel I can talk on this. So we exchanged a couple of DMs on like what we booked. We had a bit of fun scheduling the episode, but Rachel, welcome to the show. Do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself sure well thank you so much for having me i maybe this is corny but my goodness i love discord for meeting people outside of the bubble that i live in already i'm a person that exists in the world with a lot of hats as a spouse as a parent um, as a content creator and storyteller i have a regular full-time job and i think specifically today i'm also an armchair policy wonk uh, to talk a little bit about TikTok and social media at large and what it means for our lives as people who have stories to tell. It has amazed me how much TikTok has engulfed so much of like, maybe not so much as me because I don't, I don't use it as much, but at, wor- at like at work where I'm with friends, I, I, I actually was with, was with a friend one time and 
we were just like spending all evening just watching TikToks. Like, 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 I mean, we'd be like, oh, did you see this one? Did you see this one? I mean, there's an, it, <laughs> it is definitely an app of our young adult age demographic. And it's an, it's an app that has engrossed the attention of like, of, of kids, teens, and young adults. And I mean, and there are some adults, probably 30, 40, 50 who, who yeah. like it, but a lot of the younger generation like it a lot. And I think a very good point about this, this is not specifically at TikTok. TikTok is the focal point as, as James was um, said pre-show, but this is, it is the vehicle. It's, it's the face of this bigger issue that we're facing because like, I, I think I was listening to a podcast and if I understand right, there are some politicians who are like, oh, if I have TikTok, does that mean that on my phone, does that mean they can hack my toaster? And so and I, it sounds incredibly ridiculous, but these are some of the people that are actually making some of our laws are individuals who may not understand the finer details of what an app does, what TikTok is and all that. Right. Well, and I think. This is kind of maybe outside of like technology itself, but I think that elected a lot, elected life. I'll say, I'll say in the United States, but I'm kind of noticing these moves globally as well that mean that you can't ever admit fallibility, right? So, um, I was watching the, uh, the TikTok congressional hearings, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and the questions that were being asked by actual elected people were truly humiliating to me, right? Like, can TikTok access my home Wi-Fi network? Well, yeah, if you have your home Wi-Fi enabled on your phone, sure. But we don't socially, and to anybody, right, give the grace for somebody to say, hey, I don't understand this very specific thing. Um, could you please explain it to me, right? Like people will, and I don't use this word lightly, but people really will get crucified online if they say, hey, I don't understand this. Can you please explain? And so then we get folks who are very, like they have to have this giant ego to survive, even if the ego isn't fairly earned, right? (laughs) And I think that that's socially a little bit of what we're seeing is that people go, hey, I don't get it. Can you please explain it? That's a really good point, Rachel. It's, you know, those questions, you know, can TikTok access my home network? It's a legitimate question because it needs clarifying. And the answer is yes. You know, if there are open, look, without getting too boring and technical, if you've got uh, any Apple service on on any device that's on the same network as other devices, and those devices have open services, it might be file sharing, it might be mm-hmm. anything, then yes, it's possible. But to say, can it hack my toaster? Well, unless you've got a Wi-Fi toaster, which, by the way, is the dumbest idea ever. I'm just putting <laughs> out there. Why? Yeah. Why? I had a Wi-Fi crockpot. It was a piece of garbage, in my opinion. But a Wi-Fi crockpot or a smart crockpot makes more sense. How? Well, let me. I've done something similar. I've put a smart plug behind, um, but into my crockpot because then I, you know, I've prepped all the meal. My, I, in this case, I was at work and like, no, I need it on at eleven. And I just turn it on remotely. That is a valid smart use. Yes. But a toaster is a device where you can't. You Well, in my opinion, it, it's one of those devices where you really shouldn't probably leave it to, to its own devices. 
there's probably far more risk of these smart devices being compromised than something getting off uh, off TikTok, um, particularly if you're on a platform like iOS. And, and, and I will say the same with Android to an extent. If you've got it through the Play Store or through at the App Store, the security protections in iOS probably won't allow it. it. You will know that it needs wants access to your local network because you'll be prompted. But educating on all of this stuff, I mean, you know, without getting too much into this, good, a good smartphone OS, like, again, I'm shouting out iOS because it was the first to do this properly, will say, hey, do you want to give this app location access? Do you want to give it contact access? So you should always be aware. And my biggest tip out of, for starting off this discussion to anyone listening just be think about okay does the app that's asking me for this permission need it for example if you're using an app that is pointing you in the direction of certain resources maybe charging points or cafes then yes it needs your location but if it's an app that's a game that's bouncing a ball maybe does it need your location no that by the side so look before we get into the negatives and, and the perceived negatives i thought it would be good right because you you've both and rachel i believe you still are content creating on tiktok and jay you have what are the positives what what's great for you about tiktok and we'll start off with uh, with rachel if that's okay yeah thank you so much You know, so I was, I think I'm a little bit on the older side of TikTok users. I just turned 35. So that's a little bit of a weird feeling to me to be the old person. Um, But but once I dove in, I found it to be a very valuable platform for me. Because as you know, and I mentioned at the beginning of the episode introducing myself, I am a parent and I have young children. And we really are you know, as we're talking about shifting culture and shifting our ways of thinking into, you know, more inclusive and more holistic, there's maybe not people in our immediate geographic area who are talking about, um, like, gentle parenting. And I have a child who is an, who's autistic, but my child is also um, assigned female at birth. So, like, how autism presents in those folks is completely different, right, from... And so as a parenting tool, TikTok has been really valuable to me to kind of reframe, right? Like, how am I, you know, and my spouse, right? How are we parenting our children in a, uh, in a gentle and inclusive way that really reflects, right? Like how their brains are working and where they, where they are developmentally really and not, hey, this is what we think that children should be doing right now. Now, I've also kind of been on a a many year and probably many more years religious deconstruction journey for the faith that I was raised in. And so TikTok as a platform has also been really helpful for me to kind of put a language to that and to go as the oldest child in a big evangelical Christian family, like, oh, you mean like the realization that I'm not the only person that has had this experience has just been amazing. And then even branching out a little bit more, right? Like I, in the United States, I live in a suburb that was really reflective of white flight, right? There's a lot of white people that live in my city and I am also a white person. So using TikTok as a way to educate myself on the experience of people of color that are, Maybe not right immediately around me because there's hardly any immediately around me um, without having to put that 
burden on like the minoritized people that I do know in real life has been really valuable. So I really appreciate that about the platform a lot. Awesome. Uh, I, I, I think that's fantastic. Matt, for me, again, as a, as a white guy, a cisgender white guy, uh, admittedly bisexual, obviously by the fact I'm dating Jay. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I knew that. My exp- so cool. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no. It, sorry. We did, uh, didn't take some, uh, mention that before the show. We usually do, or Jay usually does. Um, <laughs> Jay usually tells every guest before the show and I love it, but my, but it does help you see, see, how other people live and their experiences and what they go through. And I think that's a huge thing. Jay, what, what about yourself as a, I hope you don't mind me saying this, as a, as a trans woman, have you found TikTok, 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 new, new, new social media we're launching, folks, TikTok <laughs> useful? I have. And part of why I left was just because I was inundated with so many social networks that I made a, I'd ask myself, what do I want to consume and create content for? And I, I said at the time, TikTok was one I wanted to deactivate, but I found it incredibly useful because I could explain certain like topics that I had a, maybe not an expertise on, but like I could say, Hey, this is an issue that I have being trans. And I, and I would of course get some people to be like, shut the crap up. You man and i mean i would get some of those i would sometimes sometimes if i was fun i would actually like take their comment and then like do a video toward them you know i, I, it would, I would make a joke and all that and i would do that quite often but it, a lot of it was i would have people be like oh i didn't know about that and i i know what before i deactivated it one of the things i started looking to was like relationship videos and i was asking about uh, I was looking into some different things and help me, help me know relationships could be different. You may not, I don't want to go into all that stuff, but you know, it was really cool to find videos that gave me perspectives that made me think about my own self. Sure. There were some of the fun ones of again, what, what piece of bread are you or all that, but also there were some really deep ones. And one of the ones I, I thought was really cool. There was a, a meme going around where black men would would be frolicking in fields to show how much of of black men have to stay masculine and can't have fun and like showing black joy is not a sign of weakness and for in 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 uh in, in the black culture so it was a it helped me learn more about things that for me to be aware of so it was a things like that that you would come across so i find like sometimes I would find a piece of information and I would go research farther outside of TikTok, but I would have had no idea about it who I saw a video. And I think one thing that a lot of people would tell me, and I'm not trying to ramble, but a lot of people would say they would find my videos about trans issues would, would be helpful for them. I also put up like Twitch videos which people would find that as like an escape, but there's a lot of really cool avenues to it. And I think the biggest thing that I think is a positive again is just how many people are watching it and how much information is getting out there. Cause there were articles about being trans that I read years ago. And if those articles had not been out there, I might not have thought about myself in that certain way or been like, okay, I got to ask myself some hard questions. And I think that is a thing that like 
whenever you cut off an information source, that scares me. James, I'll hand it back over to you on that. And and I think that is absolutely valid. Look, I'm going to sort of spin this, flip this around now to the negatives of, now I'm not so much talking about, and we're going to come to some of the privacy concerns because I think just before we go into this, can we all agree that there probably are things that TikTok ha- and I, I'm singling I'm singling out TikTok because we're talking about them, but I'm going to actually say there are things that social networks and content co-creation and hosting sites are not doing great, but that's true across the whole web. It's not a problem isolated to TikTok. So I want to be very frameful, but I want to flip this back to some of the content because look, I don't watch TikTok. I do watch YouTube shorts or did. And a lot of YouTube shorts content is reposted from TikTok, which makes sense. You want to broaden your reach. Absolutely. The stuff that scares me, is some of the absolute vile content. Um, I, I remember there was, there was a video on YouTube short and, and I think it came from TikTok and it seemed to be doing the rounds. It was a Minecraft clip. It played a thing or, and it said in like a TikTok or AI, no, sorry, first, in a, in a artificial voice, it says subscribe or next day you die. And I just thought, how has this been allowed onto that platform? Kids are seeing this. Um, it's, you know, it's miss these horrible subscribe or there will be consequences or the really cringy stories and like some of it like i love the whole fantasy side of things i whole love like the you know the stories but what I, I think me personally what i don't get is like these like oh this is your color and oh no you've got a really bad color and oh my gosh like i i, I look they aren't harmful videos. I just don't get them. Maybe that's maybe me. You know, speaking of, uh, Rachel said, oh, she feels, you know, feel it. We have been the older one. I'm 40 this year, folks. I am definitely beyond the typical audience for TikTok. So I maybe, maybe it's just me being a little foggy and not getting this stuff. But going back again, starting with Rachel, where, I mean, where do you see, do you see the negatives in the content on TikTok? Or should we say, maybe I want to be careful how I say this, but, the content that somehow seems to get through the moderation or or lack of moderation, I yeah. Yeah, well, and I think that as you're talking about this, I think that a lot of what you're describing is, like you said, right, there's maybe not exactly anything wrong with whatever it is that you're seeing, right? Like, subscribe or you die. Like, is that great? Well, no, obviously not. But, right, like, I'm a grown adult, And I can go, well, that's ridiculous. So I think that a lot of the danger, you know, a lot of these negatives are in who is seeing it, right? Is somebody who, I'm apparently just being at an age where you have a fully developed prefrontal cortex is ancient, but right, like if you are, if there is somebody who really is younger than 25, is kind of being bombarded with something that maybe would seem relatively benign to somebody in their late 20s or you know, older than that, what impact is that going to have on them? I think that one thing that I think TikTok is especially good at that is kind of too, has a positive and a negative side, is how good the algorithm is at predicting what it is that you want to see. So I think, you know, I mentioned a few minutes ago about kind of a making it impossible for us to have humility in public life. The algorithm that we're seeing is also making us even more siloed, 
right? Like the experience that I have on TikTok, right? Because I'm very much using it as an educational tool is completely different from the experience that my spouse has because he's primarily using it for, uh, uh, I was about to say education. That's not what I meant. Um, For entertainment, (laughs) right? So if we're just sitting together and we're both watching TikToks, right? Because many of us do that, right? Like I'm seeing a video about like menopause and he's watching a Michael Jackson dance video, right? (laughs) Which is also like, they're both great, (laughs) but right? Like we are two adults in the same house, usually sitting on the same piece of furniture, right? Like bed, couch, whatever. And we are having completely different experiences, on our, you know, internet-enabled devices. And so that can be awesome. It can also be really negative, right? If you're not, if you're just assuming that everybody else is having the same online experience that you are having, it means that we're not having a conversation about what it is that we're experiencing online. And I don't think that that's a good thing. No, I think that's a, that's a great point because everyone's experience will be different. And, you know, again, it all comes down to this, what are you seeing on TikTok? What's driving your for you page? Two points that I that I struggle with on TikTok are it's platforming people sometimes with very harmful views because I will never admit to being an, an all-knowing expert, even on this show. I will get things wrong. I'll say the wrong thing, even on streams. And I will admit it. I, I got to learn. But sometimes you have people that are so convinced that they're right and then also you platform some very hateful, racist, homophobic, transphobic ideas. And like, and, and, and I, I've seen some incredibly awful things po- posted on, on TikTok. And I think one thing that I want to mention is like, I, one reason I left TikTok was I couldn't, I just was getting tired of dealing with the hate, having a video removed for, because I'm, because I'm trans and, and, and like they would report me and I'd have to appeal to them. And I just was like, I'm done right now. But yeah, that's where I wanted to put point, point in there too is, is cause Rachel, I love your idea about the humility thing that even, even as like Rachel, you have a platform, James, you and I have a platform here and we need to always come from it with the point of humility that we're going to get things wrong. We're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to have to learn because we realize we're being platformed by these algorithms and we're, and we're being platformed by different things. No, that's a very valid point. Actually, you know, TikTok does it, and other platforms do bring out potential harmful views. And it's a very, it's something we were talking about this whole concept of moderation and content control, which I think is vital in some areas. And we've got to be very careful here because we'll, we'll come to some really valid points. But, you know, one of the things like TikTok services, a lot of, a very, very mixed, like, so, you know, you'll have a hate speak, a hate preacher of some kind. Now, you know, someone who is obviously racist, who is absolutely going after people of a certain sexual orientation, that's never okay. But then, you know, it also services videos. You might question, well, you know, people filming, um, uh, is it her rage, we call it, where, you know, this woman dragged off flight again, you know, and this sort of stuff. And it, I think one of the big problems I have is that wherever you are in... Now, look, I 
personally, if someone's going to film in public, fine by me. You know, I have no implied right of privacy in public. That's absolutely, I understand that. But I think maybe going along with humility, we have a basic respect for each other. If someone's having a bit of a bad day, does that need to be captured for the world to see? I don't know. Uh, and I think no is the answer. But at the same time, if someone's doing something hateful and it needs to be made aware of, then yes. Jumping on that also, one thing that, that, that we have the potential of in these bite-sized clips on TikTok is missing context and also sources. Because sometimes I I saw this one video on TikTok and I thought, oh my goodness. Then later on I found out, oh, that was a bite-sized moment, mm-hmm. the bigger context <laughs> of that entire scenario. Ah, because I, I will say, if you look at me some days and you see me when I'm angry, be like, oh, trans women are angry. No, I, I can have bad days where I'm just like, and all that. And I mean, if you look for, for a while, I mean, I'll be honest, one, and I'm not trying to tangent, my family saw t- snippets of my life for a while and thought I was angry during my transition. Anyway, that's a tangent, but I'm just saying it's the context that we're missing. And I think, the bite-sized nature of TikTok can can lead to not finding more information about what's going on or the research. Anyway, it, let's move no, on. No, 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 that's good. Rachel, I just wanted to ask you any, because that's raised an interesting question. Would would you say that's a fair assessment from Jay? Is there anything you'd like to add to that before we move on to the, the privacy side of it? Yeah, no, I think that that's extremely valid. I don't really have anything else to add, <laughs> except rock on. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just because if it, like I I know we always like to laugh at YouTube videos of like trying TikTok hacks, but there are people who do those, yeah, thinking they're legitimate. And if they think those are legitimate, think about the actual things of like mm-hmm. being trans or being gay or even topics of critical race theory. If you get someone that's hateful out there spreading misinformation, they may think it's it. it they may think the other way. I. Can I bring up one final thing that's been very big in the United States has been the conspiracy theory behind the election. And there are TikToks all out there claiming that the election was rigged and in so many ways. And and TikTok has only been fueling that. I was at work at, at, at one job and one of my coworkers was talking to another coworker about these things I saw on TikTok. And I'm just like, in my head, I'm thinking, if you knew the context you would understand what those videos were, but they saw that, that clip. But yeah, that's where I wanted to say is. That's really good, Jay. Thank you. And thank you, Rachel. So let's talk about privacy. Look, the first thing that caught my eye with the privacy stuff is, you know, look, I think I would say that as an adult, this is me speaking, I try to be mindful of the sites I'm signing up for. I use things like mass email. I'm aware of cookies. I know what, I try to know what data for harvesting. Now that makes an assumption that they're being transparent. And one of the things that I love that Apple have started doing recently, and I think Google are doing this too, is the concept of privacy nutrition labels in the app store to say, Hey, this app that you're about to install, it's going to take this, 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 and this. And it re- one of the biggest eye openers for me, and one of the reasons I still to this day recommend Signal above pretty much every other messaging app is because if you look at Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, everything else, you see the laundry list of what they're taking. And then you look at Signal and it's like, 
literally nothing. It's the essentials only. And I, I think we need more of that. I think we need that uh, at a, uh, almost like, I mean, look, I hate the do you consent to cookie banners. Those drive me crazy. I don't know if those are actually as wide in the US, but because of GDPR here in the UK, um, still we still have that. We get cookie consent, and it's like, um, it's like honestly, it's like flipping switches to start the warp drive on the Enterprise to turn off the cookies. I can tell you because of somebody who has to, who my devices have no clue where I am. It will flip, like sites will flip flop me between the United States and, and and Britain for for various reasons. Your VPN into the UK at times for various or even content. that I've been to the UK on a site and it and it keeps that. But yeah, no cookies notifications are definitely different between. But for us adults, we have a. I would like to say no. We may, because I know I can speak about certain family members of mine who are adults and don't. My my father, for example, nearly fell for a scam the other day, and has now but uh, now being classed by most of it, by me and my sister and my mum. We're now joking and going, Dad, you're now a vulnerable adult. We've got to watch out for you. <laughs> <laughs> She's not happy about it at all, uh, but. The point is, we know what we should know what we're doing. But when we start talking about children, and I want to be really careful because this is a very evocative subject. And I know, Rachel, <laughs> you're a parent, so obviously, um, please yell at me if we get if I get stuff wrong. But children in general, I'd, I would say, look, the, the, the typical law is 13 in terms of like them being able to have their, their own accounts. I'm going to controversially maybe say. I think that should be older. I really do. Or I think that should be ba- based on maybe more than just age. I, I'll, we can come back to that as a, as a thought, but that's, I have some views on that. But the reason I'm bringing this up is we're talking TikTok. TikTok got fined 12.7 million pounds in the UK for data protection breaches, particularly pertaining to how they handle the personal details of children under 13. That scares me because it means that if they don't care about the privacy of the data that, um, you know, our nation's children, our world's children put out there and children, look, children, I think I do, in well-meaning ways will maybe share more than they should on socials and maybe and are signed up obviously with some very personal details like the date of birth, rough location, things like that. And that's stuff we should be safeguarding. But I guess the question I have is, do you, do you think that there is such a thing as too young for so, for social media accounts? And I'll start with Rachel as preparing, if that's okay. Yeah, well, so this is, this is something that the Hanson family is dealing with, like, in real time right now. Because uh, my two... My two oldest... And I, ha- I have three. I have three kids. Uh, my two oldest are both... Um, very interested in being internet famous. And me and their dad are like, we don't want you to be internet famous. <laughs> we don't totally, like, they have their, they have tablets and, you know, so they can access, uh, you know, games that are Wi-Fi enabled and things like that. But, like, mostly we don't super want them to exist on the internet at all. Um, <laughs> but I think Actually, James, I'd be interested kind of in your perspective on this, but my sense is that um, children online uh, as a parent is somewhat different in the United States than it is in other parts of the world. And so 
like it's something that I am very concerned about, but adults that are around me kind of, you know, immediately are going, well, yeah, of course I'm going to share pictures of my kids on Facebook. And of course it's fine if they, or like if they want to make a TikTok or, uh, you know, Instagram, like, you know, any of it. Right. <laughs> and so I think it is a concern, but it's something that I think we really struggle with that like in the United States, very specifically, we don't actually treat children like they're entitled to privacy at all. Right. We kind of view, and, and I say this, you know, the we, like cultural we, kind of view children more as like things that we have than humans that have their own right to privacy. And so then when we are, so then when we're talking about online privacy, um, then these other kind of boogeyman things start to come up, right? Like when we're, you know, I think in, in the UK and in other parts of Europe, there's a lot of concern about privacy of children because of um, like trafficking and things like this, which are things that absolutely need to be taken seriously. Now, in the United States, for you know, when we're talking about white children, and this is probably going to be very controversial as well, so my apologies. But you know, for white children, there is a little bit more of that. And I say like a very, very little bit more, right? Like right to privacy. Because for some reason, we have an idea that our white kids are going to be trafficked when the data tells us something that's completely different. So there's concern, I think, amongst like individual citizens, but not political will to actually do anything that would pre- that would do something that would actually protect all children. We have a lot of talk about, like, we're doing this for the kids. This is audio, so you can't see my face, but it's like, come on now. Really? Are you really doing it for the kids? <laughs> I, I have to be very blunt at this point, and and I will apologize to, to – I'm going to – I'm making an assumption that I'll get agreement on this from both of you, but – when our politicians, well, your politicians in this case, are more concerned about keeping hold of their automatic rifles than actually protecting children in school with proper safety measures. I mean, I'm sorry, but when a six-year-old elementary student can walk into school with a gun and shoot his teacher, that says that we've got a problem. And that says that we have a problem with how things are being handled in the right way. Look, I don't want to take this down a gun control route. I don't personally have a problem with responsible gun ownership that is properly vetted with proper background checks. Yes, yeah, background mm-hmm. checks, absolutely. And in fact, look, the way I'm sorry to the way I read your Second Amendment says the right to bear arms as a well regulated militia. Well regulated. But it this comes down to for me, it comes down to, again, these being mindful of not knee-jerk reactions and thinking, okay, how do we have these discussions? And I think sometimes, you know, you, you talked earlier, Rachel, about gentle parenting. And I think, you know, unfortunately, what we see far too often is a, is a I'm the parent, I'm always right. It, now, there are times when, and I'm, I, I don't know much about gentle parent, but I'm going to assume gentle parent is, is not the absence of discipline. It's the absence of um, aggression and, you know, um, uh, 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 of 
discussion and engagement with your children rather than, oh my gosh, you did it again. You're going to your room. It's, yeah. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. It is. There's a, this is kind of a segue, but it's a little bit more about um, like conversation about consequences, right? Like um, you can get out of the bath by yourself or I'm going to get you out of the bath. Those are your, right. You know, right. Like, it's time to be done with your bath to go to bed. So are you going to do it yourself or am I going to do it for you? It's not, if you don't get out of the bath right now, then I'm going to spank you. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Which is still a pretty, yeah. So I think right with that humility piece and I didn't fully intend for this to be a theme as we were talking about this. So (laughs) apparently it is Uh, (laughs) right. That, adults need to be moving through the world going, no, we don't know everything and we need to have conversations because together we can do some really incredible things. We can also do some really awful things, but that humility and that conversation piece is completely missing from almost everything that we are doing. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And I think that part and all that comes back to for me is when we consider our children as more than just things that we can share online and use, you know, and again, I I mean, look, I've always been very careful. I've with my nephew who is now 13. Okay. But we have cross wires, um, our live streams and I, you know, pretty much of all our community engagement, our discord, um, you know, obviously comments we can't do much about, but we have a hard and fast rule. You have to be 18 or above to engage with us because we feel that at that point you're old enough to make that decision for yourself. And it, it also protects us because I think we have to be mindful as look, me and Jay are not internet personalities, but we have a presence online and I, I don't feel, I don't feel comfortable engaging with anyone under 18 because of the, the massive amount of risk that goes with that for things to be misunderstood. And and just, I think it is a good rule to have. That's just my opinion. But also it comes down to think, well, hang on. If, I mean, the rule I always followed was, would my nephew be embarrassed when he turns 18 if I'd posted that photo of him online? That, or that bit of information about him online. I try to be very careful. Like when I know that my sister will watch a stream with my nephew every now and then. And we are very careful not to name my nephew. We are very careful. We, My sister's talked to him and said, hey, don't share the stream with your friends. Keep it to yourself. Don't you can't chat. Uh, and she relays messages. Those messages tend to be my nephew being rather rude to me as he is in real <laughs> life. But uh, I mean, yeah. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, that right. literally, like that's what I got called. Like any 13-year-old probably would be, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, and the same, look, even, I mean, I'll use another example. Jay's nephews, at very nearly 18, literally within a couple of months, even they, we don't let them into our Discord. My point is, it's also, what are they then sharing? And it's, again, having, for me, it's having those <laughs> discussions with your, with your, your kids. Hey, maybe it's not a great idea to post a photo of you outside your school or outside a, a landmark that identifies where you live. Things like that. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's been too narrow minded on it, but yeah. I want to bring up a, a point on that. And then I also have an, another thought that, that continues our discussion, but. 
Because somebody, as somebody who grew up in um, the early days of the modern consumer internet, starting with AOL and then getting going to broadband, um, PHP nuke websites, you know, like I, I, I had, I had blogger sites. I did, I, I, my alias is in the codex for WordPress. I'm just putting that out there to say, like, I, I've been around for a while and I've gotten to see, I've made mistakes, shared my identity, shared my, I think I've not shared like my social security number, but I have shared like my birthday online. Um, and I've done all that and it is definitely, it scares me. And, like I sometimes have tried to be very careful how much I've shared about my niece and my nephews because it's not my right to share stuff about them. And I've made mistakes, but I've tried to be very careful about how much did I talk about them in that regard because I don't want to talk too much about this life, about their experiences because their stories growing up are their stories and I don't want to divulge too much. But there have definitely been discussions with their parents on what time is what's the the right time one thing on this that's i want to move this into the next part of the topic the agency of of information so i'm going to put out a very clear bit of information about my life i knew i was trans at four my parents kept that information away from me that like i after i told them about it and they they told me that i couldn't pursue that so at the time, I didn't have very, I didn't have access to a lot of information. TikTok, in the good aspects of it, and a lot of the internet, are resources that even if a parent may keep a kid away from that information, they have access to it. If I could have found resources for actual trained information that is vetted and you know, like that is good information, it may have helped me go not to go through a lot of things. And I think one thing that scares me and where I see some of this ban being a part of it is the control of information. We're already seeing the United States banning of books. They're trying to ban the statue of David because David has a, a member. Yeah. I remember. And we're trying to control information. I very much grew up and I will be very honest and say this next phrase, even at 31, my mom, when I was living in in her house, wanted to take away the internet so I could stop being trans. She and I talked about that, but I'm just putting that out there that that is something that could happen in a lot of places. I, I, my mom and I have talked about that. My sister talked about that, but I'm just saying this is a very real concern of mine. Is I don't want kids sharing all this information, like all their information, but I also don't want to. I want to be very careful that we don't cut off access to information because some places. Some of the information online is the only access kids have. Their, their parents may be anti-trans, anti, anti-gay, and um, their, their parents may not believe – their parents may be Holocaust deniers. Their parents may, may be against COVID vaccines. I'm just listing a lot of real things. Their, their parents may be anti-vaxxers, and, and there's a lot of real information that I am sometimes afraid of, of the access control parents have. So this is – one area where I get very scared when we talk about cutting off access to information because you never know when, and I'm just going to put a really real example with all the things going on with trans youth. You never know if that one piece of content by a trans person may actually be what saves the life of, of that kid, that teen, that young adult, but may actually save someone's life. 
Well, let me let me ask because this opens up a good question. Why are we talking about this? Because uh, I guess you know we're just talking about banning TikTok, right? I mean, this is what the bill is. That's not the case, Rachel. I know you watch the congressional hearings. This isn't. It's so much broader than just TikTok, isn't it? This is. It's it's right. been it's been put on a show. Can, can you help us understand a little bit about what this actually could potentially mean if this if this nationwide bill goes into place. Yeah, well, and I think that Jay really did hit the nail on the head, right? That this is this is a bunch of things that are all kind of in the same soup, right? I guess for lack of a better analogy coming to me right in the moment here, right? Because it is removing access to information, which, right, like it's not, like I have people in my own family, Jay, who might have said, Oh, wow, that video is going to save their life. Really? Come on. No, that's not hyperbole, right? Like access to information can actually save people's lives. And so we're talking about this, right? That uh, we want to have access to information to have uh, a respectful dialogue, right? Because the things that people are saying online, even that are harmful, right? It's my view. And I recognize that that's very privileged, right? I'm a white college-educated, side-gendered woman living in the United States. But my view is that having that information out in the open so that we can at least attempt a respectful dialogue about it to kind of help bring people around to something, you know, a little bit more equity-based is a good thing. Um, And so cutting that information off isn't going to make those thoughts go away. It's just going to mean that we're not going to have the tools to talk about them. And of course, in the United States, this is also, and this isn't just me saying this, the ACLU is also talking about this, um, the American Civil Liberties Union, that this is a serious infringement on First Amendment rights for people to be talking about uh, their lives and their experiences, right? Like, So that's a problem. I think the other piece that, you know, kind of, I don't want to say offline, but right, as we were kind of collaborating on what our talking points were going to be in this conversation. We're also kind of bringing in some xenophobia, right? Like China right now, in my view, is kind of just a very convenient boogeyman to keep doing what the United States is already really, really good at doing. And what we're also doing is finding new ways to disenfranchise minoritized people. And one thing I kind of want to draw attention to is my use of the word minoritized, right? People in the United States who are people of color, um, who are queer, right? They're not on the sidelines for no reason, right? Like this is an active decimation of people's lives and cultures. And so to me, kind of what I think is, is in this soup is that People who are in power are going, oh, no, everybody that we've been working really hard to keep on the sidelines for hundreds of years are gathering together. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, I know what we're going to do. We're going to blame China for collecting data and passing it on to the People's Republic of China. Now, might that be a legitimate concern? Possibly. There's no evidence really that. It is right now, but much like the United States, this is probably going to be an awful thing to say, and please feel free to cut it out. But 
I think that the United States and China share an equal goodness in not being transparent at all. Um, <laughs> right. So we don't know if there's a threat. Probably, probably not. But what people in power don't really don't want to see are minority groups coming together and saying, Hey, we need to, we need to do something about, and I, maybe a content warning is appropriate here to be talking about like the lives of um, queer youth and police violence, but right. Like we don't want people talking about how uh, transgender youth are more likely to die by suicide than anybody else. And we don't want to, we don't want people of color to be coming together and talking about how they're being brutalized by the police more than anybody else. <laughs> so we're going to blame China and we're going to take this away. But what we're not going to do is acknowledge all the other kind of harmful stuff that is there in the soup, right? Like talking about where the January 6th insurrection was organized or talking about, I'll cut myself off because that's the only example that's actually springing to mind right this second. But so back to your original question, James, about right, like what does this mean? I think that it really means we as a society are working really hard to keep people silent so that we can avoid dealing with the real problems that we have present in our society. For instance, there is a very real possibility that I could lose access to hormone replacement therapy Mm. as a trans, as a trans woman because of some of the bills out there. And the more like that is, that's not something that you would see on the news all the time, but it's something that I try to share as much as I can. And when around the time of, again, content warning, but around the time of George Floyd, I actually listened to a lot of black voices and be like, okay, I see the racism in my own life. The, the, the concepts I needed to change. It was through the amplification of black voices that I was able to understand things better. And, and I, and, and yeah, Rachel, you are so right. This is a way to cut things off. So that way you don't have to share anything that's not going to be bad for the country. I think that's a really valid point because, look, the bill – and look, we're talking about this US bill, and I'm, I'm going to come on to some of the stuff that's going on in the UK as well because it's just as important and actually maybe actually in some ways even more dangerous – yeah, when we start talking about banning, I think um, I'm paraphrasing bits of a bill here, but the idea is that it allows the US government to define what a dangerous site is and what a dangerous foreign power is and block access to those sites. Now, that could one day mean that, say, for example, the BBC, being a UK, a British broadcaster, ladies and gentlemen, um, could somehow, I mean, look, it already got labelled as state-controlled media by Musk's Twitter. Um, it is... Does get money from from just for anyone who isn't aware? Yes, the BBC gets money from a TV license, which is paid by the taxpayers, but it is not from government funds. That is, the government don't touch that money. That goes straight to the BBC. Whether or not you agree with the license fee, and I, uh, at the moment, tend not to, um, because I think there's got to be a better funding source and, and a, a mandatory fee for just one network. But that aside. When we start to look at bills that can say, we can define what's bad for you. Now, 
Are there credible intelligence threats from Russia and from China where they are sp- spreading disinformation, particularly Russia right now, with, with everything that's going on in Ukraine, and China in other ways? Yes, there absolutely are. Does that make TikTok by itself dangerous? No, and we're going to come to something because there is a case for banning social media like that, but not from the public, and we'll, we'll come to that. But for me... Yeah, it, it's a scapegoat. We're making the we're making the threat in other scenarios be something that the U.S. Uh, the, the, you know, in this case, the U.S. can say, no, 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 we want to control what you potentially have the power. Now, does that mean it's going to? Does that mean it's going to be an overnight? Oh, we're going to ban all these sites. Probably not. But if that okay, let's be really realistic. At the moment, you at the moment, actually, no, I guess. Because I don't quite understand your 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 the way your Congress and stuff works. Is that you've got a Democrat president, but if I remember correctly, isn't is it the Senate or the which one's controlled by the Republicans? Is it the Senate? It. Oh, I'm missing something. But point is, you can yeah. have your effectively your government controlled by some by a different party that's not who the president is. Is that? Yeah, I I am. I will admit, and this is me on, on a platform saying I am not fully aware of all of the politics of i i did study this for u.s government when i was in uh, that was a college. long time ago jay yeah i know <laughs> but but yeah no there is there is the ability for it for that to happen and, and i think some of it's the the electoral college some of it's the the voting public i don't want to say anything that'll get me in trouble no um, i mean i'm uh rachel am i am i going down the wrong path here because i will apologize if i am i'm, I'm no, trying to you're understand. on the right you're on the right track I mean, politics in the United States is just bananas, uh, as I think probably the best way to describe it. Um, but we have two major political parties. Now we have a, a bicameral Congress, right? So we have a House, we have a, a Senate. Uh, now when we're talking about laws that are getting passed, um, and this is true for, for anything, right? Um, mm. Any bill has to have an identical companion piece in the other body right so if something passes in the senate but then it doesn't pass in the house no dice right like that nothing's going to happen so it has to pass in both bodies for it to make its way on over to the president and then it gets signed and it's the law um so i think germane to the conversation that we are having right now uh, talking about social media and government devices, because I think that's kind of where this was headed. Yeah, this is where it's, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, right, so that bill uh, was signed by President Biden, uh, and I double-checked actually right before we recorded, so I didn't get it wrong. Right, that was passed, or that was signed by Governor, or Governor, uh, by President Biden on December 29th last year, um, saying that um, TikTok had to be off of all government devices within 60 days of him signing that. But we are humans and we are slow. So he did just give a, you know, I think that this just happened in the last day or two. Uh, You guys, meaning government employees, have 30 days to delete TikTok off of all of your government devices. But that was that very specific bill was introduced in April of 2021 and was then signed at the end 
of 2022. And it's now like just now starting to kind of like actually make its way into practical existence. So it took a while. (laughs) Yeah. It it took a while, but yeah, it's, I, I, I do think, I think, you know, just to flip something that Jay put, put into the show notes, you know, we're talking about censoring TikTok, but then we don't then censor the sites that are known for hateful views, that are known for inciting violence. Like, look, just to name it, 4chan. And Jay, you know, I don't want to dwell on this, but you've had problems with 4chan. Yeah, and, like, personal problems. And I don't want to go into all the details because I don't want to give them more reasons to come after me. But, no, I've I've had reasons, and I've been able to tie them back to being, oh, I'm listening to 4chan again. That, that explains why I'm, this thing happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And But then it goes down to, okay, are we going to start banning things like, um, could, okay, let's say that Elon Musk has the word in the right ears with the government, and all of a sudden our favorite Mastodon instances get banned because the government feels that, oh, it's, it's inciting too much dis- dissent in what we're doing at the moment or musk has paid us off you know uh or you know maybe in the case of clarence thomas he's bought several holidays for him sorry did i say that out loud a, a high court judge get supreme court judge sorry getting bribed getting hospitality i'm sorry but that's a major conflict of interest and it does lead to this interesting question of before we go into a little bit more about what the uk is doing because that in itself is is, is a whole thing I want to just ask a question. If you're in elected life, as in a politician or someone in public office, should you be more mindful of the social media you are engaging on? I mean, look, look we've all seen the vile stuff at Mar. Is it Marjorie Taylor Greene posts? Yeah, mm-hmm. and she is one of the most anti-trans voices out there. Oh yeah. And 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 the fact that um, that I I hate even saying the word President Trump, Orange Man was allowed to still have Twitter on his phone as the President of the United States. I mean that is is dangerous beyond belief because you can. I don't know if President Biden is sending his own tweets. I somehow doubt he is. I somehow would imagine he's got a team doing his socials. Even on that, say you are Twitter. And you have access to GPS location. Even if they don't post it, you have access to G- And you can tie that to the president's account or a government official account. You know exactly where they are at. That's and a good point. Let's also then <laughs> say, hypothetically, there's a data breach or something. Or the, or the company gives it out. There's a variety of ways. But that is an attack vector that... That company better be heavily protecting that data. I'll go further than that, though, Jay, because GPS is one thing. Something that's just dawned on me. When you're using a social media site or an app, one of the things that's bound to be collected is the type of device you're running on and the version of the operating system, which means, right, let's say that you've got maybe a a less tech-savvy politician who's on, say, Twitter or TikTok, who has not yet updated their device with the latest security updates. You would hope that the um, government, though I, I doubt this is right, would be using a service like, I'm not trying to be funny, being very serious, like um, 
collide to to stop the the zero trust security. but i'm talking about their personal devices here jay i i i oh okay i 100 percent agree with you we hope there's some but let's be honest we know i think we all know that government and security information security does not go hand in hand yeah they they do not i don't know maybe i'm being unfair but but my point is all of a sudden you've got let's say MT, mtg's personal iphone on her personal twitter exposing the fact that she's running a version of ios that has not been patched and then you've got an attack vector into a a, a politician's phone from a potential bad actor and i don't and that could be a foreign attacker and we know it happens like We've talked about China. Mm-hmm. Things like that do happen. We can't. We we're we're not saying that that every Chinese citizen is a is a security threat. But the whole world, the whole thing of of international espionage is a thing, and every government is going to try their own dirty tricks. Does the US do dirty tricks in terms of espionage? Does the UK? Of course, they do. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. one thing that we had with Edward Snowden is he was a whistleblower to say. Oh yeah, the U.S. does it. I mean, and there's all this stuff about what the U.S. Has, has done, and the U.S. will try to use it to their advantage as well. They're not. They're no better than anybody else. I'm just gonna say it. So, I guess the question I want to put to first of all to, to both of you is: when we when we look at that in that broader scope, should we be? I don't think. Again, I don't think we can ever say to a politician, "You're not allowed to be personally on social media," but should there be a discussion around? the transparency and the accountability of their social media activity whilst in office. Uh, Rachel, first to you. I realize the irony of maybe being in favor of a mandate when we're talking about also banning things, but I really, I really don't personally love having elected officials on social media interacting as elected officials right? For kind of a bunch of the reasons that we've already talked about, right? That you kind of end up in this echo chamber um, and you can't vet people. You don't know the people that you are maybe hearing from, right? On Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or whatever are your actual constituents. Right, yeah. And I think that what I would want, what I want from my elected officials that I somehow completely forgot to mention this at the beginning, but I am actually also an elected official in my city. Um, I serve on the school board, which is an elected office in the United States. So I'm not like way the heck up there, but what I would want for my elected officials and how I would conduct myself is really like a level of thoughtfulness in the communication that is going out from that person. But social media as we interact with it right now, is not built for thoughtfulness. And so, is a ban a great idea? Well, probably not. But then we need to be, like, kind of having some expectations as voting people, right, regardless of where you are voting, as to how you would expect your elected officials to behave in a public space. And so if you're showing, like, hey, I can't be thoughtful on social media, then your constituents should be saying, okay, then you need to knock it off. You need to stop being on social media because you're not representing us in the way that we want to be represented. And you're showing that you can't actually behave decently online. 
So I think social pressure more than like an actual like government mandate would maybe would be more appropriate. But I think thoughtfulness is really kind of the name of the game there. Well, I mean, to be fair, if that, if we all adopted that attitude to our social media presences, I think social media would be a lot better, a lot kinder. I will say <laughs> it's for one thing that, uh, one of the things that I really, really value about Mastodon, I don't know if, I know, I think Jay, you found that Mastodon just feels more friendly, more it does. thoughtful. I will say one thing that I like is it's not like all positive. I mean, it, it's a lot of rainbows on mine because I'm in a lot of the queer communities, but it's not all positive only, but it is, I'm, I've gotten way less hate. I, and it's with hate I've gotten, I did have one, one thought too on this is what a what an elected official does and i mean and really we're speaking about elected officials because we we could tangent to everything else but elected official what you like and don't like is also can, could be an endorsement i mean i there was a very mm-hmm. real case where one of our politicians liked a porn tweet yep on twitter and that opened up a lot of questions about what that person was doing. I mean, and again, that seems like a fanciful thing, but that's a very real thing. And there's a lot of questions, and I don't know if I have all the answers now, but yeah, I would say an elected official, I would want a, a lot of, I mean, I'll be honest, one thing that I've tried to be, not perfect at is I've tried to be, even just as part of the Crosswires team, I try to be very careful about what I put on it because i don't want it to reflect badly on on cross wires yeah even at that level and look you know it's in the same way that for example if you are emailing a member of the public from a corporate email address you probably should be very careful what you're emailing them but what i want to move this on because i think this is really look i think you've both made great points there and i think uh, we in the uk we have a thing called the, the ministerial code now do our politicians throw it? No. Boris Johnson for right now is in, is under serious investigation for breaches of that code. We have multi, we had a member of parliament watching pornographic videos in parliament. And of course, the joke was, would the upstanding member please put away his upstanding member? <laughs> I, I heard about that and forgot about it until you reminded me just now. <laughs> Um, so look, (laughs) are we perfect? And do we, do do politicians have a lot to be, look, I, I, I would not want to be an elected official. It is a stressful job. Do I think that, for example, in the UK, our, our MPs and civil servants are overpaid? Yes. But at the same time, they do have a hard job. I want you to talk about something that sort of brings on this because we're talking about content filtering now. This is a really, really sensitive topic, and I want to be careful how I handle this, because at no point do I want to condone this material existing or being created. Um, I'm not even going to use the full acronym, uh, full wording, I'm going to use its acronym CSAM, and anybody who knows what I'm talking about, knows what I'm saying, will know what I mean by CSAM. CSAM is horrible. CSAM should not be allowed to exist. And absolutely those who, who download it or create it or distribute it should be rightfully punished. But there's a slight problem. In order to maintain our privacy, we have this technology called end-to-end encryption, which means that the only people who know what's in those messages are, let's say, for example, that me, Jay, and Rachel are having a discussion on my favorite messaging platform, Signal. 
we are the only three people who know what's in those messages, okay? And that's good. Now, in another scenario, let's, you know, not, not, you know, in maybe you've got a group who are either having a, a similar discussion but sharing CSAM between themselves. That same end-to-end encryption prote- is on that chat. Or maybe it's a criminal gang planning um, some sort of, well, a bank raid, for example. I'm trying to make a little bit light of this because it's a very difficult subject. But what the UK government, I think a lot of governments are saying is, no, we need to ban end-to-end encryption. Now, from what I'm seeing from the Home Office, they're, what they're effectively saying is, no, 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 we don't want to ban end-to-end encryption. We just want a little door into it that we and the authorities can see into it to, to make sure you're not doing anything wrong. But at that point, it stops becoming end-to-end encryption. And we're, we're talking about, you know, oh, image scanning. It's why Apple pulled back on the CSAM scanning because of the huge impact. Even with all that Apple were doing right in that, the impact on privacy was huge because, look, very quickly, because I know, Jay, you want to make a point, and I'm sure Rachel does, when we go all the way back to the San Bernardino shooting and people were caught saying, oh, Apple, how dare you not unlock that phone? The whole reason they couldn't is because it entered encryption. And they said, oh, we need to put a backdoor into every iPhone to make this possible in the future. The problem is when you put a backdoor in for the good guys to stop crime, you also put a backdoor in for the bad guys to commit crime. Say, for instance, um, this is something that's happening in the United States. There's actually two two cases that happening in the United States. Say, for instance, you are a menstruating individual and you need to track your cycles. If your data is not end-to-end encrypted and your state passes a law that they could then crack down on that, and then correlate that to either having an abortion or a variety of things, it puts you in jeopardy. Say you are a trans individual and you start having taking hormone replacement therapy secretly or like a variety of reasons. They could they, they could look at your lab work if that's not end end encrypted, uh, or say you're looking at resources that are not that that, that are deemed or you're like saying hey to a friend. I am struggling right now with my thoughts of am I gay? Am I trans? You, you should, <laughs> and and if we don't have this end in an encryption, that could then get leaked to a government. And be like because right now there are some some governments that are trying to say that they're, they're trying to say that that any parent that is allowing um, their kids to undergo undergo gender affirming um, therapy is 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 yeah. committing child abuse. And there's also then also a move to stop some trans adults from undergoing gender affirming therapy and, 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 and different things like that. So it scares me heavily. I, I wish there was a, a way to stop CSAM, but it scares me and the implications for everything else because with a lot of these things, if you give an inch in some regards, you just need a, you just need our politicians to, to change from being progressive to conservative. I'm going to call it conservatives. And instantly, you see so many freedoms go away. I mean, you've got countries in other parts of the world where it is to this day a criminal offence to be gay. It is a criminal offence to do certain things. And, you know, we've got Taliban controlled. Is it Iran where the women, where women are being victimised and are being effectively controlled without end-to-end encryption? Those people have got no safe space. 
Can I say one final one, and then I'm going to cede to to Rachel? Yeah, uh, by all means. One thing that you have here in the United States, as we are discussing racism, mm-hmm. they are using um, phones and things to track to track protesters. They're they're using it to track individuals who are raising. So black people, people of color, are being attacked also by the same methods and being controlled. So yeah, and then Rachel, I, I'm going to give this over to you now. Yeah, I, thank you. I think to me, another piece of this is uh, some of what we're talking about can, it comes across as extremely well-meaning, right? Like we want to stop the, the bank heist, right? <laughs> to, uh, James, to your comment, or there was a bill earlier this year that was um, introduced in the United States House to use like previous social media posts to identify potential mass shooters. Um, Cause that's a problem that we have in the U S and right. Like on the face of it, right. Like those things might not seem like completely awful ideas, right? Like, like at a very basic, right. Like we want to stop the bad guys where it's frustrating to me is right. Like again, very basic. We're saying we want to stop the bad guys and we want to keep people safe, but then we're not willing to have the conversations, like the really difficult conversations around, right? Like, hey, why do those guys want to rob the bank? Or why, and I guess bringing race into it again, like, holy crap, why are all these young white men shooting up public schools, right? Like, we want to use technology to identify the problem, right? Like, the bank robbery or the shooting or the whatever, you know, or, or things that we just kind of, uh, Jay, to your point, right. That we maybe like decide along the way are, uh, illegal for no apparently good reason whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but we don't want to talk about, right. Like, Hey, do those guys want to rob the bank because they're experiencing poverty? Right. Like, do we have like a Jean Valjean situation here, right? Like stealing a loaf of bread so that the family doesn't starve. Right. Or, you know, Hey, are we identifying this young man and then uh, making sure that he actually gets mental health services and uh, maybe his parents are getting some coaching around gentle parenting, right? Like, no, we don't want to do those things. We want the, technology to identify the bad guy and then get him out of here without taking the time to go like what made this person the bad guy quote unquote in the first place i think that's a wonderful point it is we need to be having these conversations about these subjects and trying to help we spend so much time focused on Oh my gosh, this guy, this person did this and they're a truly per- horrible person for doing this. Well, yeah, the things they did were horrible, but what could we have done to prevent it? Could we have made, made, uh, um, look, I've been very vocal on this on our streams. Meant good mental health care should not be something that's only available to those who can afford it. It needs to be well funded by government in all scenarios, so that the people who need it can get the help they need in in a safe way. Because, look, let's be honest, 
there are going to be times where people are having times where they really struggle with their mental health and to to make it so that the only way they can access that is by you know having funds well that blocks or just in general healthcare look is the nhs perfect no but it's a lot better than having to save up to go to the doctors or save up to make an appointment with a psychologist uh, with a psych uh, with a uh, therapist or a psychologist and and I I'm gonna say like, like I'm a very I'm a prime example right now with my healthcare I I I want to go back to therapy but I can't afford it I want to go get my foot taken care of I can't afford it right now and those cause like psychological problems that I have to deal with and I'm I'm being I've always been very open with my mental health struggles online because I don't want people to I want to reduce the stigma against mental health and yeah this this kind our country is awful on mental health is awful on mental abuse on on all that front we 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 look at the physical abuse but we never think about the mental side of it so i i i i know we can tend to other things but yeah all this stuff i think i think this entire episode has really come to the come to the the thing that like tiktok is being a scapegoat for so many things <laughs> it is it is it is we're trying to avoid talking about the actual real specific issues. How do we keep, how do we keep kids safe? How do we keep information safe? How do we keep bad information from me from getting out there? Like for, for instance, on a, on one of the episodes that we're, that, that we have about AI open GPT has a fence around difficult subjects but those are subjects that need to be discussed with vetted sources. And, and, and that was a great, great point by Dr. Catherine. And I think so many of this stuff, we are like, I was reading a podcast I was listening to today said, TikTok, are we, we're afraid of the Chinese government. Well, ByteDance is actually moving the U S servers for TikTok to the U S server. So they're trying to fix our, our, our fears. And really a lot of this is information control. It's avoiding real topics. It's trying to say, Hey, look at me. And also don't forget everybody. We are heading into the next election Mm -hmm. and (laughs) this is becoming a election platform. Oh, that government didn't go for the ban. Well, I'm going to go for the, I'm going to ban TikTok. And there's a lot of things. And I don't, I know we're not, we aren't going to have been able to be a full discussion on all this. Cause like we can make this a five hour podcast. And even then we're <laughs> uh, not, no, we can't. I've got to be up for work in the morning. No, I, I we know. really can't. I, I, know. I think I'm just we all need that, to like, go to bed. I hope, <laughs> yes, yes. But I'm just saying, I hope this is how people open people's eyes. And like, I, I think, cause I think we've discussed a lot of our talking points that we've wanted to on this episode. And I think we've, I think so. We got some people to think, and I would encourage all of you to, if you find more, if you are interested in more of this stuff, please research this. Please listen to more, the, all, the myriad of podcasts that are out there. My entire podcast uh, queue is full of TikTok episodes. I mean, this it, it is a thing, and we're not doing this for, we are not doing this for the popularity. We're doing it because it seriously is, is intriguing us, and we want to raise these questions on our platform. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to see the floor back to James. I, I realized I took over a little bit of the hosting. That's okay. No, that, and this is the thing I love about doing this show. And look, 
for those of you who are maybe new to our show, this is how we want our discussions to go, is to have a genuine... Uh, and I really hope, um, Rachel, that you felt that you'd be able to voice your opinions. I, I really hope that we open this up for discussion. But this is how we want things to go, and we want this to be a discussion. We want to hear from you as well, folks. I know that many of you will just listen to the show and not not have the time, not have the energy to to engage. But if you want to, look, again... Follow, you know, just keep things civil. Come and join us in our Discord. We're a friendly bunch in the Discord, honestly. Uh, and, and drop us an email, podcast at crosswires.net. Um, that's, you know, look, if you do nothing else, I'd love to hear from people more. That's my own, that's my own, look, would we love your financial support as we talk about in our outro? Absolutely. I would ask people one thing. Let us know what you think to the show. Let us know how we're doing. That matters far more to me personally than financial support. Right, Jay? Absolutely. I have had so many times on my previous podcast been in such a bad down mood, and I'm editing on this weekend trying to get things going. I get a one-sentence email from someone saying, hey, your podcast helped me my entire weekend and a year is made from that. So I just want to let you know, absolutely, this is a labor of love. I mean, do we make some money from this? Some, but a little bit, yeah. But we also do this because we love doing this. So absolutely. And I, I want to say also because I, I know um, Rachel's a podcaster. Rachel, can you let people know your podcast? Because I want to make sure I'm following Be- your podcast before we oh, before we do that. Sorry, before we do that, only because. Um, I realize, Rachel. Before we get on to making sure you get all the plugs that we, you know, you can. <laughs> do you do you have any closing rounding out for, thoughts on on this whole topic? I think you've uh, you know expressed your views really clearly, but just to give you a chance to get, put in those closing thoughts on this whole discussion. Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. Like, the, I, I felt like this was a really great discussion, and so I'm very excited to hear that you also felt like it was a great discussion. But I think just kind of as we're closing out, right, like we've, we've had a lot of conversation about conversation, right, and how we use tech in our, in our lives to hopefully have better and richer relationships. But I think that as we're kind of proceeding in, I would also just want to encourage folks uh, as much as you safely can to come into conversations um, with some very compassionate curiosity so that you're, you are prepared to have your ideas and your values challenged, but you're also prepared to do that respectfully with other people too. All of these tech tools that we have aren't going to do anything for us if we can't also have that respectful dialogue with each other that affirms our humanity. So that's, that's my closing thought, I think. <laughs> Can I say that I love that so much? If if, if so many people already talked about trans oh, issues, <laughs> even that specifically would come into it with that, how much better our world would be? Because well, well, okay, can I? Sorry, can I jump in for a second and say, let me paint a, a better world picture. If everyone's um, least favorite Harry Potter creator had come in with that mindset and the people who argued with her came with that mindset, I think we would be in such a better place because there are valid discussions to be had there. It's my biggest problem with that person. And I'm not going to name her, but that person is because I think, honestly, she's coming aggressive. Everyone else has come aggressive back. And it just comes back to humility. Has she said stupid stuff? Yeah. 
but have we have the community have people responded to him the wrong way yes because it's such an emotive topic jay sorry to interrupt oh no i, I want to add one more to, so that way we're not also giving her an aside i, I also want to say that um there is a an amazing youtuber out there that i also recommend called jesse gender who talked about the dave Chappelle in that same that same vein that 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 dave Chappelle went out on a platform with a topic he did not know as much about and the backlash because i mean in some regards his topics about suicide and things like that were very valid because i think we need to come into it with a a way where we will learn from each other and i have a firm utopian idea i i i have a firm idealistic idea that in the end, good will win out, but I just, I get, but there needs to be respect. Absolutely. So Rachel, before we close out the show, do you want to make sure you get your plugs in for your own stuff, for your own content, for your own podcast and yeah, just have at it basically. Yeah. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you. So really kind of everything that I'm working on. So the podcast that I co-host, the podcast that I produce, um, if you go to link tr period ee slash Rachel Hansen, all of the links are there. And Rachel Hansen is R A C H E L H A N S O N. Awesome. So head over and we'll make sure that link is in the show note. Jay, I think you're typing that up already for me. Yeah, I can see. I keep saying this. I love our next cloud instance. I can see Jay adding. Look, literally, it's just popped up in our next cloud instance. I love it. Rachel, can I say that photo is amazing? I love your scarf. You and I want to talk fashion later on. So I'll need to get you. Oh, I know. I just have gotten lucky sometimes. Like most of my. Mostly I'm walking around like covered in peanut butter. Like if I'm being real honest. You don't need to reveal more and I won't, and I won't reveal – and, and I'm not going to reveal too much about my niece and my nephews. But I can understand because I help raise them. So mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And on, on, on that revelation, that peanut butter revelation, it's time to end. Jay, hit the button and roll the outro. On it. Uh, I, and, and I hope you're not jelly that I have that control. <sighs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Cross Wires. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a note over to podcast at crosswires.net. You can also drop us a comment on the post, or if you're a GoodPod user, why not start a discussion there too? You can also join our new Discord server at crosswires.net forward slash Discord. We've got forum channels for each episode, and we'd love you to join the discussion there. You can also follow us on Mastodon at crosswires at mastodon.social. And of course, you can find the show in all the good podcast apps. And all the really bad ones, too. More of our content, head on over to crosswires.net slash YouTube for all our videos. And keep an eye on our Twitch channel at crosswires.net slash live for our upcoming streams. If you like what we heard, please do drop a review in your podcast directory of choice. It really does help spread the word about the show. And of course, if you can spare even the smallest amount of financial support, we'd be incredibly grateful. You can support us at ko-fi.com slash crossed wires that is ko-fi.com slash crossed wires until next time thanks for listening